Good morning. Good, uh, good to be with you here this morning. Um, my name is uh, Pastor Andy, and many of you know me, but I'm one of the pastors here, and it's, it's always good to be here, and it's always good to be able to open God's Word with you and uh, to teach and preach God's Word. Um, this, this morning, God's Word comes to us from Romans chapter 14, verses 1, all the way through chapter 15, verse 13. And um, it's, it's really one section, some 36 verses, one section regarding unity, regarding relationships within the church of Jesus Christ. And the question is, how do we as believers in Christ, how do we live together in unity? How do we live together in unity? And so I'd like to encourage you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 14, uh, the Bibles on your chairs page 948, and uh, we'll, we'll begin now, verse, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, and the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, while he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself, for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why, or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and thus approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbringing. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, 
but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he's eating, his eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, for it is written, the approaches of those who approached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became his servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who raises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that with the power and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God's reading for us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Your word is life and your word is good. And we just thank you, Lord, that, that uh, you have revealed yourself in scripture and you have revealed your, your way uh, to us in scripture as well. As well. And so, Lord, um, we just pray now as, again, we hear your word, as we hear it proclaimed, uh, give us a spirit to hear what you are saying to your church. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. The, the question that I would like us to think through this morning is this question, this one here. How do we, as a church body, cultivate a culture of grace within New City Church? It's an important question. How do we, as a body of Christ, cultivate a culture of grace and love within our church body? The elders we met on Thursday evening, we wrestled with this question for a bit. And the men's study on Wednesday morning, we're, we're going to be grappling, we have and we are, we're, we're going to be also wrestling a bit with the same question, the same question. Now again, gospel doctrines are very, very important. Gospel truth is very, very important. Romans 1 through 11, <laughs> the Apostle Paul spent many, many chapters, a lot of ink, 
explaining the, 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 the foundation truths of the scripture. Doctrines are very important. But so is Christian living. Romans 11, or excuse me, 12 through 16. Christian living is also very important. It's not that we just hear good truth and affirm good truth. In the Gospels, we read that God would want us to demonstrate the truth as well, to demonstrate this grace that we have been given. And it's very, very important. I, I, I just find, um, you know, what uh, Jesus says in John chapter uh, 13, by this all men will know um, you are my disciples if you love one another. Not if you, not if you hear good biblical truth and not if you just affirm it but if you love love demonstrate practice put into practice this gospel message and we have here mercy we have here the power of christian community the power of grace living and grace giving great witnesses to the truth of the gospel they really are two, you know, two sides to, to one coin here. We declare, but we also demonstrate. They're both indispensable when we think of gospel truth, gospel witness. Now, I've chosen this morning, I've chosen Romans chapter 15, verse 7, as a key verse this morning. Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And I'm going to do my best to summarize and the, the, the verses before this verse and the, the verses that follow. I'll do my best. There are, there, there are many verses here, 36 verses, and uh, I'll do my best. And please bear with me here. Uh, it's in the NIV translation. And 40 years ago, I memorized this verse in the NIV, and it's just embedded in my brain. It is just embedded in my head. And every time I'm gonna say this verse, I'm gonna say, accept one another. And so please bear with me uh, this morning. I know in your, the version ESV, it says, welcome one another uh, as Christ has welcomed you all for, you know, in order to glorify him. So accept one another. We're, we're just gonna look at this verse and take three, three sections, three phrases. Accept one another. The word accept, the word accept can be translated welcome, ESV, or receive. One pastor put it this way, to accept someone is to affirm to them that you think it's a very good thing they are alive. Beautiful, beautiful thought there. The word, it's warm and tender. It's, it's a really an act of genuine love. You are grateful for this brother and sister in Christ. You are grateful that, that they are your brother and sister in Christ, and you embrace them. You welcome them into the family of God. Let the celebrations begin. <laughs> he or she is a fellow believer. Acceptance in this concept here, or in this context, excuse me, Romans 14 and 15, refers to accepting people in the body of Christ who have different opinions, the verse 14, verse one, have, have different opinions than you do concerning 
concerning secondary non-salvation issues. Paul, in Romans 14 and 15, he's not talking here about moral issues like sin versus a sinful behavior versus not sinful behavior. He's not talking about the essential doctrines of the Christian church, if they're up for grab. No, he, he, he's not doing that. And he's not saying that we should just accept bad behavior or a bad lifestyle. We shouldn't be closed to sinful practices and lifestyles in the church. No, the issues here in the Roman church in this chapter are gray areas gray areas. Let's just, just a moment, the background to this church. The church has had here Jewish believers, non-Jewish believers. Interesting enough, you have individuals who are both rich and poor, slave and free, male and female. They come from all the nations, all the nations, but they are now one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3, verse 28. One in Christ Jesus. The gospel for all the nations, Romans 15, verses 8 through, through 12, those verses there that you find. All the nations, and it's becoming a reality. People from all walks of life are coming into the church, and they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's beautiful to see what's taking place here. Now, we have to remember, again, in this context there, you think about the social economic barriers at that time. Mercy. When we talk about the Jewish, you know, ethnicity here, people, and non-Jewish people, rich and poor, slave and free, male and female, the barrier is broken down in Christ. However, Jewish Christians now in Christ, they're struggling with those Old Testament dietary laws and those special days mentioned in the Old Testament. What are we to do with them? I mean, they're a believer, Moses, some 1400 years before Christ, the Torah, all these years, all this tradition. What are we to do with some of those laws? And then you have non-Jewish people in this church, no testament history, <laughs> not at all. They have no understanding of the rites and rituals and the customs, and so they felt no obligation to keep them at all. And so here's the question, what do you do when you're inviting this group, you know, the group that doesn't think like you, what do you do when you invite them into your house? How are you supposed to practice hospitality in, 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 in this environment? I mean, how are we supposed to do family feasts? <laughs> that's, that's what's going on here. And so what now are these gray areas, these opinions, I like the word opinions there in verse one, that Paul is referring to. He mentions food, the eating of food, verses two and three, he mentions the observing, the observation of certain days in verses 5 and 6. He, he mentions drinking wine in verse 21. And when it comes to these three Ds, I call it diet, drink, and days, when it comes to these three days, 
Christians have had a lot of freedom throughout the church history uh, around these three Ds. A lot of latitude when it comes to cultural uh, customs and personal taste. Now what would be some of the, 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 the gray areas for us today uh, in 2021? Um, thankfully, Kansas City Barbecue isn't on that list, thankfully. <laughs> so grateful. How about drinks and days? Well, yes, for some. We can think of abstaining completely from alcohol and the observance, observe, observing of the Sabbath, Sabbath day for some Christians in some circles still today, very strong. We can also think of worship and music. We think of the worship and music wars. <laughs> they have a history within the church. Think of liturgy and think of also um, the rites within the church and within worship. How about clothing and worship? Not a really big deal today, but when I was growing up, it's a big deal. Women wore dresses, men wore suits. And then what about dancing for believers? Again, forbidden by some open to others. And then I remember growing up in the 60s, movie attendance, movie attendance in theaters, that was taboo. And that was a really big topic. I mean, could Christians really go to these places of these establishments? Was it a moral issue? Here's the question. Was it a moral issue? Or one of Christian freedom? Personal taste again personal preference. And then what about politics? Oh, I know. Pastor Andy, did you have to mention politics? What about politics? Will we allow Christian freedom, latitude in the body of Christ for different opinions regarding someone's political stance and affiliation? Is it a moral issue? or one of opinion. Again, Christian freedom, personal liking, personal preference. So what does Paul now, what does Paul teach in this, in this chapter, in these chapters, in these 36 verses? What does he say? It's interesting, uh, he instructs the church this way, these regarding opinions and, and gray areas. And he gives a beautiful response. He, he has something to say to both the weak Christian and the strong Christian in chapter 14. And then he has, uh, in chapter 15, he, he gives the beautiful example of following Jesus himself in this matter. The weak believer, let's look at that phrase. The weak believer is someone, in the words of John Stott, immature, untaught, think of a new believer or believers coming in the church and maybe they, they just, you know, we're not taught the full counsel of God and perhaps they just don't know the scriptures. And he says, we Christians are someone immature, untaught, and actually mistaken. The weak believer on the whole tends to be a bit more legalistic here, keeping certain rules and regulations gets one and keeps one in good standing with God. The strong Christian, the strong believer, they're both believers, the strong believer rests in the freedom Christ has given him or her from man-made uh, regulations. Is it grace alone 
or is it grace plus something else that makes you right and mature in Christ? What does Paul say to believers in this passage? Really can be summed up in this way. Don't judge or condemn (laughs) a fellow believer on secondary non-salvation issues. That's really the summary right there. And so we will not judge someone who's a vegetarian and we'll ask them not to judge Ryan when he's eating bacon. (laughs) Ryan says amen to that. And so that's what's taking place. And so we want to ask this question, how does Paul, why does Paul say this? The idea that we shouldn't judge or disdain or condemn each other on these, quote, gray areas. He gives a number of reasons. He said, first of all, understand you're talking about a believer. God has welcomed him and her, verse 3. Verse 15, God, Christ died for him and her. You're talking about a believer here. Careful how you speak about this brother or sister in Christ. He goes on to say, secondly, the weak believer is not the master over the strong believer, and the strong believer is not the master over the weak believer. No, Christ. Christ is the master over your fellow believer. You're not. In other words, John is saying, Paul is saying, I'm a little crass here. Back off, will you please? (laughs) You're not their master. Back off. Thirdly, both the weak and the strong, verse 6 and 7, are serving the Lord to the best of their ability. That's a a remarkable phrase there. Both are serving the Lord the best way they think they can for their abilities. We do not live to ourselves. We belong to the Lord and we're his servants, verses six and seven and eight. Be careful then in what you say, again, about a brother and sister. The crucified and risen Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord of the living and death. Over every area of life, Christ is Lord. Again, so keep your trivial and petty matters and conversations in their proper place. No judgment, please. No condemnation, please. And then fourthly here in this section, and this is strong, we will all, both weak and strong Christians, we will all one day stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account of our lives and service and good works toward God, verses 9, 10, and 11. That's powerful. Now, judgment here doesn't mean that our salvation is in jeopardy. Romans 8, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Judgment here regards, again, one's faithfulness and service, good works to the Lord while we're living as believers here on earth. And so I paraphrase now here, I paraphrase this, the end of verse 12. I I say this, stop looking and judging others in their walk with the Lord. Instead, make sure your walk is up to par. Make sure you're up to par in your walk and service to the Lord. You too will be accountable someday for your actions and your good deeds and your service. So be quiet and get lost in service. Be quiet and, you know, do do your work for the Lord. It's interesting to note in verse 13, as we work through this chapter, Paul tells the church once again to stop passing judgment on the other, on other believers. However, now he turns it around to be a little bit more 
positive, in a positive direction. What are the strong believers to do when they are with weak believers? When they are in their presence, they are to act in love. Verse 15. It's remarkable. You can almost pass over that little phrase so quickly. We're, we're not to trip up our brother or sister in Christ, Paul says in verse 15. If you do, you are not no longer, you are no longer walking in love. Remarkable. It, it, it sounds so simple and yet so profound. Love and unity, really, themes of this whole passage, all these verses. Has the church of Jesus Christ <laughs> forgotten love 101. We really never move out of this category. <laughs> Have we forgotten this, this, this thought of love 101? Unconditional, sacrificial expressions of love toward one another. And this love here is agape love. It's the same love that God had for us unconditional, sacrificial love for us. It's a giving love that he gave to us, and when we receive it, he is asking that we also then receive it and then live it and give it. First John 4, verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us in this way, then he says, we also ought to love one another. First Corinthians 8, 1, now about food sacrifice to idols. Very interesting passage, very similar to Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8. Different context, but very similar. He says, now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Okay, we're all intelligent people in the church of Jesus Christ, but then notice what he says. He says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up. You ever hear the little phrase, man, this, this, this man, this one has a big head. What, what are we referring to? They're proud. They're arrogant. Knowledge puffs up. But love, agape love, builds up. Builds up. We think of 1 Corinthians 13 too. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge... If, if I have all knowledge, God has given me the gift of knowledge, an IQ higher than 130, 140. I mean, there's no limit. However, if I do not love my brother and sister in Christ who has a different opinion than mine on gray areas, what does Paul say? I am nothing. That's strong. I am nothing. I'm not saying that. Paul says that. And then we read 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. And then here, it does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I love that phrase. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, interesting, always protects love, protects the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, who they are, the family of God, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, 
Love never fails. Never. <laughs> long, long time. God's love never fails. How does one treat a weak brother or sister in Christ? With love. With love. Now, what does this love look like? What does this look like? What does Christian freedom look like? Well, it carries responsibilities. It's tangible, but it's responsible. Number one, what does love look like? Number one, verse 13, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Wow, what is Paul saying here? He's saying here, he's saying here in love, Please think about your position. Think about your position. Your brother and sister in Christ should mean more to you, mean more to you than insisting on being right and spewing off your position, your rights, and your arrogance. Now that's bold, but that's what Paul is saying. Your brother and sister should mean more to you than you always insisting that you're right. Wow. Wow, again, the Apostle Paul and God's word. It's not about us, me, excuse me. It's not about you. It's about my brothers and sisters' spiritual well-being. Christ died for them too. I don't want to trip them up. I don't want to trip them up. Now, Paul is a strong believer. He's in that category. He knows he's right about foods. He knows all foods are clean, verses 14 and verse 20. He knows the scriptures, Mark 7, verse 19. Jesus says, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Peter, in Acts uh, uh, 10, verse uh, 15, God says this to Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean regarding animals, but also non-Jewish people. In 1 Timothy 4.4, we read Paul say, for everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Though he knows and believes all this, he doesn't flaunt or parade his position before a weak believer. He doesn't want to hinder this believer's walk in Christ. Love is patient, love is kind. Now, he will disciple believers, and we're all about discipling believers and teaching believers and discipleship. We will talk together about issues within the church. Yes, Paul says, of course, discipleship is very important. What he's doing in Romans 14 and 15, what he's doing in 1 Corinthians 8. But he goes on to say, nevertheless, he goes on to say, in the presence of a weak believer, I will acquiesce and I will yield to them. It's not about me. It's not about me. He will not intentionally offend a brother or sister in Christ. 
So what does love look like? Number two, second thought here on what love looks like, verse 19. Make every effort or pursue to do that what leads to peace and to mutual edification or mutual upbuilding. We have that same thought in chapter 15, verse 2. Paul mentions that the thought there is to build each other up. Building up believers, strengthening believers, just heart, Paul's heart's desire here. Not just that believers would come to a saving faith, oh, he's big on that, but he wants believers to grow up strengthened in their faith. And so uh, we see this, Romans 1, verse 11 and 12. Paul says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged. Mutually, I love that. By each other's faith, both yours and mine. We're, we're in this together, this growing up. We're in it together. So here's our job description New City Church, at least one of them. And it's not just Ryan, it's Ryan's task, my task, the elders' task. It's really all of our tasks. We are to use all our energy, pursue, verse 19. We are to make every effort to use all our energy to accept one another and to build each other up in word and deed. Wow, what a great goal are New Year's resolutions. I, I know we're not too big on New Year's the resolutions, and I know some are simple and rather trifle, uh, but, but some can be very good. Think of this, verse 19, being our New Year's resolution at New City Church, that we're going to make every effort, we're going to pursue with all the energy that we have, all of us, to build each other up in the faith. Amen? Amen. Wow, that would, that, that would be something. New City Church, matter of fact, this past week, I wrote this verse out, and I put it on my desk just to remind myself, yes, that's God's desire for me, for his church. Every effort, pursue peace, mutual edification. And then notice that word peace there, too, in that verse. Make every effort, pursue peace. We're called to pursue, to promote peace within the body of believers. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is not a secondary issue, peace. It's not one of the three Ds. It's not diet, drink, or, or days here. Paul is saying, hey, don't get stuck on the trivial here. I mean, the kingdom of God is a lot deeper, a lot deeper than the three Ds. And verse 17 here is a key. If you have your own Bibles, you want to circle that. No, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. What does he say? It's about righteousness. It's about peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, right living. Right living in all its dimensions, right with God, but then right living this way as well all relationships. It's about peace, peace, living peaceful, peace with being peacemakers, all relationships, shalom in all relationships, and in the church too. Mercy me, sometimes it's, it's rather kind of embarrassing that we have to say that. In the church too, peace. 
And it's about joy in the Holy Spirit. I love that little phrase. It's, it's not making and it's not taking pleasure in trivial matters. It's not glee over winning an argument. No, deep-seated joy here is being in Christ with brothers and sisters in Christ. The joy of being a brother to James. The joy of being a sister to Taylor. A brother, sister to Taylor, excuse me. The joy of seeing what God is doing in the lives of people and that we can enjoy that together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and then also peace and joy. And then what does this love look like? Thirdly here, it's keeping our opinions to ourselves. Opinions. Verse 22, interesting phrase. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. The faith, the NIV translation says, so whatever you believe about these things, your faith, your understanding, your belief about these gray areas, these opinions, please keep to yourself. Keep you. The strong believer may hold on, he's saying in verse 22, blessed the person who holds on to what they truly believe to be correct, bless that person, but he goes on to say to the strong believer, just don't, <laughs> you just don't need to insist that you're right all the time. <laughs> you don't have to insist that you're right all the time, and mercy me, I'm just gonna go off here a little bit. I, I just wish, believers who are in social media, I just wish some of them would read Romans 14 and 15. Not all, but many of them. Mercy, keep your opinions regarding gray areas. Please keep them to yourself. Stop being so loud and proud. Please, in the church of Jesus Christ, with brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, stop correcting everyone and insisting on your, that you're right. What do we read and hear when we read that? And this is strong. We, we, we're not seeing humility and a real deep love for brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're seeing arrogance. We're seeing arrogance you surround yourself in truth and then you think you have a license then just to mow people down. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Where is the humility? That's what Paul is saying in this passage. And he's saying the kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace. In my manuscript, I wrote peace, capital letters. About peace in the church of Jesus Christ. Peace joy in the Holy Spirit. A sign of Christian maturity is, is watching our words in James 3. One does not need to insist on being right all the time. Silence is golden, and it can be. That's what Paul is saying to the strong believers in this church. Sometimes best not to say anything. So let's move on. Spend a lot of time on accept one another. Now the next little phrase in Romans 15, verse seven. The next little phrase, he goes on to say, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. 
just as Christ accepted you. In the beginning of chapter 15, Paul repeats some of the very same thoughts that he uh, expressed in chapter 14, but now he gives the church, now he gives the church the ultimate motive for love and unity within the church of Jesus Christ, and it's Christ Jesus himself. He came not to be selfish, he came not to please himself, but he's willing to be and suffer for righteousness sake, verse three. So say the scriptures, so teach the scriptures, verse four. He came as a servant, verse eight, chapter 15. He came as a servant, remarkable. He came to servant to the Jewish people so that through them the gospel would go to all the nations, verses 8 through 12. It was always God's plan that through Abraham, through the Jewish people, the gospel would go to all the nations, that all the nations of the world would be blessed, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And so Jesus came to fulfill that agenda. He did so by sacrificial service, all the nations, different people groups are coming into that one church. And so in that one church, this is how you should act. Jesus left us the great example, sacrificial service. However, Paul now, <laughs> Paul now says something very interesting. Just as Christ accepted you. Paul's so clever here. He's very clever. How did Christ accept us? as believers. Did he accept us because of our intelligence, because of our ethnicity, because of our credentials, because of our good deeds? No, not at all, not at all. Scripture's clear, very clear. There's no one righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, verse 10. It goes on to say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, verse 23. Then we read, and also in Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're all weird. We're all weird. <laughs> and, and, and it's all, you know, it's the, the level playing field for all of us. And so Paul says here, why, why boast? Why pass judgment and condemnation on others? You're just as weird as they are. And God accepted them in Christ. God accepted them if he accepts them, then we ought to accept them. Wow. You know, in certain stores, you'll find a little area that will say discount area, or you'll go and walk through the store, and you'll see a little tag that says, just as, or sue me, as is. <laughs> as is, sorry. Usually these items are damaged goods, aren't they? There, there's, there's, there's just something wrong here. Something's not right. A broken leg a table leg, a shelf is missing, there's a tear in the, in the fabric. We all come, we all come with a little red tag that says, as is. We all have flaws. We're all, we're all broken, every one of us. And yet Christ accepted us as is at that place at that spot. He didn't wait till we had it all together, which the Bible says will never happen because of our sinful nature. We'll, we'll never have it all together for God to look upon us and approve of us. It's why God so loved the world that he came to us. 
He came to us while we were still sinners. Christ came to us, sinners. We're people, broken vessels, immoral individuals, I mean, arrogant scoffers and ugly, with ugly personalities, sinners chasing, you know, worthless idols and running down all sorts of one way and dead end streets, sinners blind to their own deceit. Jesus laid down his life for these kinds of people for us, for us, for us. And it's remarkable here that he accepted and redeemed us as is people. And then he placed us in the community of believers who are also as is people at one time in their lives. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is restoring us, transforming us, and renewing us to be like Christ. Amen? That's the gospel message. God receives us as is here, but then brings us in the community and with his spirit changes us, transforms us, makes us anew. New City Church, I come before you as an as-is brother in Christ. I ask that you accept me as an as-is brother in Christ. I'm not perfect. I'm still weird here and there. I still am. Don't like to admit it, but I am. Please don't accept bad behavior, but please accept me as a brother in Christ, and I will do the same. I will do the same. I'll accept you as my brother and sister in Christ. And from this pulpit, I won't insist that you and share, that you will share my opinions about gray areas. Not at all. I won't corner you or harass you or also patronize you for not having my opinions about certain secondary issues. Not at all. Christian freedom in New City Church will win the day. Will win the day. Together we will pursue peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Mutual edification as well. Together, you think of this question, together we will cultivate a culture of grace. We'll work on that. We'll give it all our energy to be a culture of grace where we all are being built up into the very image and character of Christ. The third phrase from Romans 15, verse 7, and it's in conclusion here, I'm ending, is in order to bring praise to God, in order to bring glory to God, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise and glory to to, to God. We'll end here. All good theology, all good theology ends with doxology. Isn't that amazing? And so... In this context, Romans 15, 14 and 15, how do we praise and honor God our Father? How do we do it? 
by accepting our brothers and sisters in Christ, warts and all. <laughs> when we give all our energy to accept one another, to build one another up, then we are truly worshiping and giving worship and giving God the glory and honor due his name. Amen? Amen. Romans 14 and 15 can be summarized in these words, and with these words, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we marvel at the power of your words and your word. We, we, we try to put ourselves back in time when this early church, when Rome, when these believers from all different nations, people groups, customs, traditions, one in Christ, what it must have been like to hear these words for the very first time. How radical. Oh Lord, we want love to win, to win today, today too, in 2020 and 2021. May love win the day, the unity of the church. Oh Father, may we love one another as you have loved us. May I learn, Lord, to be quiet at times. May we learn, Lord, to speak truth with love, in love when we need to, but with love, with humility. May we as a church be open to discuss these gray areas with each other in a very uh, calm and, and, and good spirit. Teach us, we wanna be disciples, we wanna learn, Lord Jesus. Help us to be all that you want us to be, to cultivate a culture of grace. Not only to receive grace, but to live it, to demonstrate it. And Father, I really believe that when we do that, we will be different. We will be salt and light then to the world around us. Oh Father, use us, use New City Church, use your church for your honor and glory. Amen.